I would like, if I may, take you on a strange journey. Welcome to another episode of Nine Cents, the one and only podcast devoted solely to the satanic perspective in our modern world. I'm your host, Adam Campbell. I've got a great show for you today. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about God. That's right, the Almighty. Or so people would like you to think. In Infernal Informant, we're going to be discussing our American government and how it parallels with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I would also like to discuss, later in Creature Feature, Red Dead Redemption's Undead Nightmare. That's right, we're going to a video game this time. And in the bizarre of the bizarre, I'm going to be talking about pissing on boots. That's right, pissing on boots. So, sit tight, strap yourself in, and get ready for a fun-filled episode of Nine Cents. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. That was the new drop. Uh, I feel like I still have a little bit of work to do on it. Um, I wanted sort of multiple layers of, uh, um, uh, I guess, ritual uh, language mixed with that fantastic song um, from Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, but like I said, it, it still needs some work. I've got to sort of fine-tune it, so expect it to change uh, for a couple weeks to come. Today in The Devil's Advocate, I would like to talk about God. And this is sort of a touchy subject, because... God means so many different things to so many different people. And the reason why I wanted to talk about God today, specifically, was because in last week's episode, uh, when discussing magic, I had mentioned, you are not God and you must work within the bounds of nature. But also, on a day-to-day basis, um, whenever anyone asks me if I believe in God, uh, I tell them, yes, I am my own God, and I certainly believe in myself. So I wanted to make sure that what I meant is clear, and what Satanism understands God to be is clear. So let's first talk about the different types of God that people see. Um, and we can run into some real problems with this, because um, even in a specific Christian church, each individual has a different perception of what God means, what he looks like, if he looks like anything, and if, even if it's a he. Um, but there are a few general ideas of what God stands for, or what God means, or what God is. So first, there's the sort of cosmic deity that works within the bounds of nature, 
but still is conscious and separate from nature. This sort of uh, cosmic being who uh, watches over everything on a grand scale, but doesn't really involve himself or concern himself with uh, individuals, um, you know, down at the, the human level. He sort of just watches over the universe. And then there's the idea of a god that is very much interacting with human life, who's actually taking notes on what you do and what you don't do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, this god is the most commonly understood god or commonly accepted idea, as I see it, um, that people have, because he's the all-forgiving and the wrathful god. It's a little absurd and hypocritical to be both wrathful and forgiving, but then he was created from humans after all, right? Um, and of course, then there is the idea that uh, there is a god who is above the con petty concerns of mankind, and he has his disciples worry about that. So it's sort of a mix between the two previous discussed, where he's on the cosmic level, but he does have agents out amongst the different humans um, as prophets who are sort of doing the day-to-day, -day, um, uh, you know, watching you and uh, punishing you for your sins and teaching you how to, how to be better with him when you die. Um, and then there's the idea that there is no God, that there never was a God, that God was a manifestation of mankind to explain the world around him, which was unexplained and still is. Um, this is quite often um, folded into the first version, that cosmic deity, because... Um, People argue that he works within the bounds of nature, and so since there is no sort of consciousness to bother you or to concern uh, yourself with, uh, why worry about him? As Satanists, uh, you know, Anton LaVey in the, in the Satanic Bible mentioned uh, in a couple chapters about God, about a cosmic God, but not a cosmic God with a consciousness. A cosmic God with um, a very uh, universe-oriented, uh, I guess, order. See, when people think of God, they praise Him when they do good things. But when they make mistakes, it's their fault, because they're the imperfect ones. God's never there to pick you up when you fucked up. Now, of course, when you're lost in the woods and you pray to God to show you the way, and you find your way back, well, it's always his great, great glory that helped you. But what about those people who stay lost and die? Did he forsake them? And then there's the standard, well, if there was a God, a loving God, why is there so much death in the world? Well, I submit to you that there is no God, that there never has been a God. When I think of God, when I think of what God means to other people, I imagine a God who has your best concerns at heart. A God who will help you succeed. A God who will pick you up when you fail. A God that will nurture your natural processes of being. A God who will help you self-actualize with yourself 
in essence. And there's only one God I can think of that does that. And that's me. Outside of the bounds of nature, outside of the bounds of the universe, where perception rules, where we influence each other, and where our decisions matter, there's only one person who influences me more than any other. That's myself, my id, my mind, my being. That's the part of me that I was born with. That's the part of me that is most like Satan. So, yes, I do worship a god. I worship myself. But my god is a little closer to Satan. I hope that clears up what god means uh, to saying this. And obviously, you know, the explanation is going to shift depending on the Satanist you talk to. But there is one underlying tone to it all. is that we believe that we are the primary influence in our own lives. And we celebrate that. Because success as we define it is incumbent upon us as individuals. We don't pray for something to happen. We go out and make it happen. So that's all for the Devil's Advocate. Let's move on over to Infernal Informant. What is of darkness? Earthquakes! Volcanoes! The dead rising from the grave! Human sacrifice! Dogs and cats living together! Mass hysteria! All in the Infernal Informant! <laughs> that was the uh, Infernal Informant drop. Taking a little bit of a monologue from Ghostbusters. That's right. And, uh, as it to sort of a what I would imagine uh, an 80s, 1840s uh, corner newsboy calling out the paper's headlines to passerbyers. Um, I'm pretty happy with that. I, I'll probably refine it here a little bit later. Um, I've got some other things in this show I need to sort of you know focus on before I get to that. So how about we just dive right into Infernal Informant. Uh, this week I wanted to talk about um, our American government and sort of its parallels with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So first let me explain sort of a brief synopsis of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein as it, as it is, uh, has bearing to our government. Um, Victor Frankenstein was a scientist and a doctor and he was obsessed with the creation of life, of creating the uh, perfect being, and that mankind could do it. Um, through his studies, he had um, pieced together a corpse from various different um, murders or uh, just bodies that he could get his hands on, um, and through his science, he created life in, in this inanimate uh, sort of patchwork body. Uh, the monster woke up, uh, came alive, and Victor saw how monstrous it really was. Um, and he forsook it and he ran away. The monster was confused. The monster didn't know how to react. So it wandered out into the wilderness and it sort of tried to find itself. And it reacted to the environment as the environment reacted to him. Uh, he eventually shacked up in this cottage and observed a family and their behaviors and their appearance and their passions 
and their connection to each other, and he realized that he wasn't human. He thought he was, but he wasn't. So he vowed revenge on his creator, Victor Frankenstein. He killed Victor's younger brother, um, which drew Victor back to Geneva. Um, and he demanded the monster, demanded that Victor create him a bride, so that he wasn't alone anymore. And this, you know, made perfect sense. Uh, the monster was quite lonely, and since he was a creation, and no one alive would love him, why not have Victor create him someone that would love him as well? And Victor started to, and at the last minute decided it was a horrible idea, um, killed the creature, and this infuriated the monster, who swore vengeance upon Victor once more, and ended up murdering everyone he loved and held dear. Um, and he fled into the wilderness. Um, ultimately, Victor chased down the monster, the monster killed Victor, and the monster killed himself. So, how does this parallel with our American government? Well, let's imagine that we as citizens are, and the individual states in where, in which we reside, are forming a, a more perfect union. And we want something that is better than anything that we've experienced before, throws back a little bit to Rome, um, because that was so successful, that version of democracy. But we also need checks and balances, and we need someone to sort of take on behalf of our state governments um, a national defense, and we can't trust one state with that. And so we create, here's the monster, the federal government. So we create the federal government in with the best of intentions to create a more perfect union, um, just like Victor did with the monster. What we soon realized is that the government is not as perfect as we wanted it to be. And so we were pretty upset with it. Um, we continued to try to uh, refine it and, and make it more perfect throughout the years through legislation, through amendments to the Constitution, uh, through electing representatives. But soon the government sort of uh, was breaking under its own weight. Uh, and the only way to really prop it up was through money. We needed to fund the programs that we wanted to do, but we didn't want to be taxed. Um, we start going into debt and we start borrowing money, and this is where the government didn't demand it, but the bride comes in. Because corporations are most certainly the bride. Now, we as the people didn't end up killing the bride in this scenario. We actually um, were enslaved by her. So this is where the story differs slightly. You see, corporations took over running the government from the people after the people created them both. Both of our creations turned against us. And though the individuals elected to office have the best intentions for America in mind, money gets in the way. Influence from the bride, corporations, gets in the way. So corporations start picking the people they want to run, funding them, and helping them win. And then when they get in the office, call in their favors. This is sort of where we are, where we have literally have had our government hijacked by corporations, and for some reason, 
we still have people complaining that it's not, in fact, corporations, but it's the individuals running the government. I complained quite loudly when George Bush was in office. He was an illegal second-term president, as I see it still. Uh, he was a terrible present president. The worst tragedy in America, modern American history happened under his watch, after he was warned about it. Um, he was, quite honestly, the worst president in all of history, as I understand it. And he broke many laws, both uh, international and national. Committed treason. Torture. Patriot Act. I mean, the Patriot Act. Uh, so let's... Uh, <laughs> now we have people looking at our current president. They're looking at him and saying that you know, he doesn't, uh, he's not a real American, he wasn't born here, um, he's a secret Muslim, as if that's a bad thing. Uh, I mean, it seems like they're focusing so much on the individual and what that individual does that they're completely ignoring the man or men behind the scenes. And I think that's the way that, um, you know, the men behind the scenes want it. I mean, logic dictates that as long as, you know, it's any good magician's uh, secret, they keep you diverted from what's really going on so that they can continue doing what they did, or what they're doing. Uh, it, you know, it's nothing new. It's been going on for a long time. But it seems like more and more... I'm finding people don't realize that or aren't seeing it for what it is. You know, we're arguing over individual presidents when we should be arguing over what the corporations are doing behind the scenes, what the banks are doing, what the insurance companies are doing, what the medical um, uh, pharmaceutical companies are doing, what big oil is doing. Why don't we focus on that? Because that's the real issues uh, at hand. You know, the monster that we created in government is completely controlled by the mistress that we created. We have provided corporations with the rights of an individual. We've allowed them to sway our elections. How can we ever expect to be in control anymore? How long until our monsters completely destroy us in the name of profit, in the name of protection, in the name of patriotism? Of course, I don't have any answers here. I'm just presenting my perspective. But I hope that you always vote with your conscience, no matter where that lies. And I hope you at least think about what's going on behind the surface, because that's where the truth always is. That's all for Infernal Informant. Um, let's go ahead and move over to Creature Feature. The sky is dark, moon piercing the night. 
to move the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush, fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She moves the swamp, water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Alright, I gotta thank Quentin for uh, sending me that monster line. I, I thought that was fantastic, man. Great job, it sounds good. Uh, I need to work on the, the female voice a little bit, but you know what? It's not so bad. So, in this week's Creature Feature, I want to talk about Rockstar Games' game, Red Dead Redemption. Specifically, the downloadable content called Undead Nightmare. This is a story about the hero, John Marston, who's uncle is infested with um, sort of zombie virus and it infects his wife and son so he hogties them leaves them in the back room of his cottage and he goes in search for a cure this search leads him throughout the South American West and into Mexico proper where he eventually um, well I won't give you any spoilers but uh, he discovers the truth behind the infestation, and he corrects it um, to the best of his ability. What this means, um, as a video game, is you know eight to ten hours of casual playing, enjoyment, and immersion in a zombie-filled western, which is just absolutely fantastic. Um, it was a lot of fun to go through and play. Uh, had a lot of time to, to play it this last week because I was sick for two days, so I just sort of vegged on the couch and wrapped myself in Undead Nightmare. There's a couple of reasons why I like Undead Nightmare um, as a video game, because uh, one, it, it speaks to socio-political um, mindset of the Western uh, American landscape. And it also speaks to modern-day bigotry and understanding and conspiracy of our government um, and our mistrust of each other as human beings. Uh, I love it when a game actually has a story to it. And this is all wrapped up in a fantastic uh, myth. Also, the game speaks to a larger base about um, ritual and ancient knowledge. You know, I got into the occult because I believed that there was ancient people or ancient groups or rituals that would unlock ancient knowledge that would allow me to do things that I couldn't do otherwise. And there's this sort of idea that ancient peoples did have capabilities that are beyond our own, even though we do have technology. Now, of course, nowadays I don't believe that for a second. I think, um, you know, as, as mankind has evolved and we have cut ourselves off from our histories. We invent these sort of scenarios to provide mystery and excitement about what really was probably a horrible, horrible previous uh, mankind's existence. But nevertheless, it's entertaining, and that's really all I'm looking for, and this game was that. Very entertaining. So I definitely suggest it. Check it out. Um, it's not very expensive. It doesn't take a whole lot of time, but the time it does take is is very um, fulfilling as far as video games go and story goes, which is the most important.
So Rockstar Games is the publisher. Red Dead Redemption is the game. Undead Nightmare is the expansion for it. Uh, check it out. Let's go ahead and move on into Bazaar of the Bizarre. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bazaar of the Bazaar. <laughs> the Bazaar of the Bazaar. I love that. <laughs> I love that sound. It's so crazy and absurd. It's good stuff. So, like I said before, I'm going to try to keep this tight because I'm already running way over and the podcast I'm going to be cutting down significantly here. Probably on the government part because I was going a little bit crazy on running in circles with my my, my, my words there. Um, bizarre the bizarre. Have you ever pissed on your own boots? I have. And remembering this, because I hadn't for a very long time, actually stopped me from uh, doing something that I really wanted to do at the time. I was in the army, as many of my stories are, uh, very drunk at the time. Um, I had crashed, very tired, uh, and in the middle of the night I woke up, I walked over into my closet, and I just took a leak on my newly polished uh, combat boots. And it may have been this Freudian thing, um, but uh, it was it was a pain in the ass the next day, quite frankly, when I had to, you know, clean them up and wear them. But um, it was that action and that action alone that stopped me from my natural course years later. And in reality, it would only been a little bit while ago. Uh, so I'm going to uh, refrain from giving the names in order to protect the innocents, but those of you who are listening... And those of you who, uh, well, you know who you are, and I know you're going to hear this. So uh, I hope you appreciate my momentary silence about who you are. So, I was over at a friend's house. And um, we were uh, playing rock band or some video game or sitting around drinking or barbecuing or something. We were just hanging out. They had just moved into this house, um, and I ran across this box, because they had multiple boxes piled up in their living room, full of, <laughs> like, feminine hygiene products, like, just brimming with feminine hygiene. I mean, there was tampons everywhere, there were pads everywhere, some other things that I don't really want to get into, but, uh, so, immediately, I'm like, who in their right mind would need this much product? ever, let alone at one week a month. And so I look up at the, the, this girl, and I'm like, are you like Armageddon when it's your time of the month? Like, does blood come like spitting out like Linda Blair and Exorcist? Like, you're spinning around in a circle, and it's just like hell unleashed on Earth. And the other people there were laughing and stuff, because uh, we were drinking, and when you're drinking, that's funny. Um, and she was just mortified. Because she spit out the first thing that I guess came as a defense mechanism. My husband pisses the bed. <laughs> and like we were just stunned that one, your wife would say that about you, and two, that she would tell a room full of guys that constantly make fun of each other. She just provided us with years of ammunition. 
just years. And so immediately, he wasn't in the room at the time, so we start calling out to him, oh, you got to get in here. You have to hear what just happened. Uh, she was very smart. It did absolutely divert us. And for a moment, I had stopped. I was like, which is more entertaining? Should I talk about her Armageddon flow, or should I talk about her husband now pissing the bed? We had to go with the husband. How could you not, right? So he comes in, we drop the dime on what his wife had done, and uh, he just quickly spits out, look, I was drunk, I didn't get out of bed in time, I pissed the bed, what's the big deal? And that's when I remembered my boots. I couldn't say anything. And I couldn't go back to the Armageddon flow, because it had already passed, the moment was over, I, I just totally shut myself up, just remembering that I had done that, that one time. Oh, it's not a big deal. Okay. Because I wasn't about to go, you know, share my own stories with them to try to connect in any level. It was horrible, and it was embarrassing. Um, so anyway, that's this week's Bizarre of the Bizarre, and really, that's it for the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I did run over a little bit, about 15 minutes. Sorry about that. Um, I hope to sort of trim this down and uh, cut my BSing uh, as much as I can, and uh, really stay more to the point. <clears throat> this week was uh, much more abstract than normal. I didn't bring it up any specifics, really, um, and I'm going to be doing that in the future. I didn't this time because I sort of wanted to talk about that abstract notion of the government um, and certainly the abstract notion of God. If you want to learn more about the Church of Satan, you can go to churchofsatan.com. You can also go to uh, uh, SatanNet, which is a social networking site, uh, the Undercroft. Um, you can find me on Facebook at 9 Cents. Uh, or on Ustream, streaming live right now, every Sunday night. Uh, and until next week, my name's Adam Campbell. Hail Satan.